We'll get to episode 170 in just a moment, but first I wanted to ask for your support of the Keystone Chapter of the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania. Go to supportkeystonechapter.org. Scroll down, there's a text field there. It's got $50 in it, but you certainly don't have to give $50 to make a difference. You can put in any amount you like. Any amount. Again, supportkeystonechapter.org. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 170 of the I Can't See You podcast. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for this episode, and I've got a couple of things to talk about, but they all revolve around one thing, and that is the NFB of Pennsylvania Leadership Seminar I attended over the past weekend in State College, Pennsylvania. And let me tell you this, there is no easy way to get from Philadelphia to State College. You can take a bus the whole way. Of course, if you can drive, you can just get in the car and go. Can't do that, though. Or you can take a train to a bus. Now, the train and the bus leave from basically the same place. They leave from 30th Street Station if you want to take Megabus outside. So if it's raining, you're in the elements, or snowing for that matter. And the train station, obviously, you're waiting inside, which is a lot more comfortable And the train is a lot more comfortable, as well as the ride is a lot more comfortable. So I opted to do that. I took the train from Philadelphia to Harrisburg, and then from Harrisburg on to State College via bus. I I believe it was Trailways. Amtrak does all the setup for it, so that was very cool. Although, as I think I mentioned last week, I had trouble using the uh, disability code, which everybody and their brother seemed to be able to use without any problem. (laughs) But I did get to go, and I did finally get to use that coupon code or discount code, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I had a great time. It was great to get together with the folks that were there. It was a lot of great learning and team building. And and I'll, I'll get into it more in a little bit, but just the sessions were very, I hate to use the word inclusive because that kind of means something else, but the participation level was very high. We didn't just sit and listen for seven hours on Saturday. Friday night started at seven. Uh, although, uh, and I'll, I guess I can tell you this part now. We had set up beforehand a group of folks, part, uh, people mostly from the Pennsylvania Association of Blind Merchants, decided we were all going to go out to dinner. It was probably the first time I met one or two of the people who were in uh, the PABM. And um, it was nice to get together with them. One of them, uh, who is a blind merchant, his name is Ron. And they own, he and his wife own a, I think it was 12 passenger van. So we were all able to fit into this one van and go. So that part was nice, but because it was spring break weekends, spring break starting, when we, when we first got to State College, we couldn't get an Uber. There were none to be had. We waited probably a half an hour to finally get an Uber. I guess it's a combination of the kids from Penn State 
getting Ubers to go wherever they needed to go, whether it was home or to the bus or to wherever, or the fact that some of those students also drive for Uber, whatever the story was, it, it was a long time to wait. Uh, and, <laughs> and of course, because the weather on Sunday was going to be warm, I didn't want to take my winter coat. So I just basically had a hoodie on. Now it's a warm hoodie, but Friday was the coldest day of the three and probably in the mid thirties when we got to state college. But it was fun to get everybody together. Friday night, we basically talked about who we are outside of the NFB. Everybody got up and talked for a minute or two or more. And all the things that they did outside of NFB-related stuff. I talked about this podcast. I talked about the All-Blind Fantasy Football League. Of course, I talked about the documentary. I may have talked about something else. Maybe I talked about Ziggy. I don't remember what else I talked about. They were the three main points. And it was nice to hear what everybody did outside. Uh, A few people crocheted and some people talked about liking sports and, and things like that. So it was, it was very nice to hear from, uh, from everybody that was there. And there was 36 folks. And in fact, if you want to learn more about the leadership seminar, uh, our episode of White Canes Connect, which will also drop either today or tomorrow, uh, Friday, Thursday or Friday, uh, 10th or 11th of March, we have President Lynn Heights. She's the president of the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania, and she talks about its origins, the, the seminar, and, and as well as how she set up this weekend's activities. And um, the person besides Lynn who led everything is a guy named David Dinoteras, and he is very motivational and really gets everything out of you when it comes to stuff like this, and it was great, and, and he's been on a, an episode of White Canes Connect uh, back in, I guess it was November, I, I don't remember the episode number, I want to say episode 12, not 100% sure on that, but he led most of the activities, and again, it was just outstanding to be there with everyone and to be doing this stuff, and, um, and again, the last time I was there at, at a leadership seminar was a, a few years ago, three years ago. And I was sick and I didn't feel well. And it wasn't, it wasn't as interactive as this one was. And so it was just, this past weekend was just, it was just great. I I was talking to somebody before we left and a a day or two before I left. And, And I said, you know, it's a long way to go and not an easy way to go, not an easy way to get there for basically... Saturday and a little bit on Friday night. It was it was only a couple of hours on Friday night. On Sunday, I had a completely different view of the weekend. It was so worth going, and I again I was very happy to be there, and uh, I, I'm I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad I got the invite. And uh, it, it's kind of funny because I I don't know, <laughs> you, you know, there were two different ways that you looked at it. You had to be invited either by the president of the chapter that you're in. So again, that's the Keystone chapter for me. Or I'm also, like I said, in the Pennsylvania Association of Blind Merchants. And at our previous meeting, Pam, who is the president of that division, said, hey, you know, there's this leadership thing going on next month in in State College. Call Joe if you want to go. 
And I said, oh, okay. And, and when I was speaking to the president of Keystone, I said to her, I said, should I just call Joe or should I tell you? And she's like, do you want to go? And I said, yeah, I think I do. And she said, okay, what do you want? And, you know, you have to give your, uh, your meal for the Saturday. Uh, lunch was provided and dinner was provided. So I gave her that and I was good to go. And then uh, besides all of that official stuff going on, there's always the bar after everything is said and done. And like I found out in... Harrisburg during the state convention back in November, that's where a lot of things really happen, where you get to know the folks and talk about things. And um, so both nights I went to the bar. And and of course, I, I don't usually drink alcohol, and I didn't this time either. I get unsweetened iced tea, and I'm good to go. And um, it's fun to hear everybody's stories. I, I, I was with someone who is in a another chapter uh, called Greater Philly, and we were talking about uh, different things that we do differently, and some chapters give money for uh, folks in their chapter when they go to state convention or national convention or Washington seminar. So it was interesting to hear the different takes, and and I was also get, uh, and I'm, the guy I'm talking about now, is his name is Eugenio, and um, he's the treasurer of greater Philly. So it's, you know, we have a lot of things in common and um, we actually roomed together at Washington seminar the last time it was in person uh, in 2020. And, um, and just a, just a lot of good things to talk about with him. And uh, I also got to talk to uh, Ron and his wife, Beth, about the business enterprise program. And what that is, it's, was created with the Randolph Shepard Act. I, I want to say in the in the forties. I, I don't know exactly when it was created, but the Randolph Shepard Act. If you if you did a search for uh, Google search for that, you would find everything you needed to know about that. But basically, what it is, at least in Pennsylvania, it is the, the business enterprise program I'm talking about. There's a couple of different ways blind folks can get into business. One of them is operating the vending machines along interstate highways at the different rest stops. Another way is to have vending machines in state and federal buildings around the state. And then there's also these cafes where, again, they're going to be in state and federal office buildings, which has been crushing to some folks because some of the buildings are not either fully open yet or not even open yet to allow them to get back into business. Pam, for example, has been out of work since COVID started because her building is either not allowing her to open yet or nobody's in there. I, I don't know the whole story, but she hasn't worked since March of 2020. And it is, at least the vending to me was very interesting. When I had the video store, we had vending machines and they did very well. Uh, at the height of uh, the time that I had all of them and they were all doing great when, when business was great a year or two before we closed, I know we did, we did around twelve or $14,000 with these machines in a year. So it was great to offset some sh shrinkage or, you know, when people would rent a movie and not bring it back, 
not everybody had a credit card. Not everybody had a credit card that might have still been valid so I could charge for that tape. And before you say, well, those tapes don't cost much, um, you are not correct there. Uh, when videotapes were uh, priced for rental, my cost on them was $60 and up. So just do the math on how many turns you needed each tape to make to make a mon- make a profit. So I like the idea of the vending machines if Liz was on board with that because to hire someone to be the driver doesn't really work out. It doesn't it really cuts into um profits and as as Ron said when you have an employee, they don't, maybe it, maybe it was Pam, the president, one of them said, you know, when you have, when you have an employee, they're not paying, they're not also helping to pay your electric bill or your mortgage or whatever. But when you have an employee who is also your spouse, their money is also going to your mortgage and your electric and whatever. So it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I want to look into it more. Now, the trouble with that, to me, it seems it takes a long time to get a place open or to get approved to get the machines in a certain building. In a perfect world, when I could go to training, let's say next week, it's around six months before I'd be able to open up. Well, of course, COVID happened. And just as Pam has been out of work because she can't get to her place, there's also no training mechanism to make it an easy, okay, hey, you want to do it here, go here to training or here, log on to do training here. There's no way to do that. So I don't know how long it would be if I said, hey, I want to do it. Oh, and to do everything, you have to get, you have to go through a, an organization, an agency. And of course, that should make anybody shiver because it's the Bureau of Blindness, BBVS, B and visual services, <laughs> Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, that's it. <laughs> um, when I first was having difficulty and I was told to go to BBVS, it took four years for someone to get back to me. And that was after, I don't want to say monthly calls to see what was going on, but it was maybe every four to six weeks I was calling to find out what the story was. And then I finally got it and I got training. I got mobility training, you know, how to use the white cane. And I got some other things. But that's how you have to go through it. You have to go through BBVS or uh, its overseer, overlord, whatever you want to call it, OVR. And that in itself could take a while. So if you're telling me, hey, you can do this, but it's going to take you a year or a year and a half. I got to be honest with you, I I could, I I think I could put together something and and open something on my own, if that's what Liz and I decide to do, a lot faster. And just thinking back to when we looked into opening the video store, I got a call from a friend who was interested in it. He wanted to know if I wanted to go in with him on it. I said, sure. Sure. And as we were looking and he realized he wasn't going to be able to provide much help with it, you know, to do day-to-day operations or to staff the counter, whatever, it didn't make sense for him to do it with me or it didn't make sense for me to do it with him because I could do all that on my own. I I, I didn't need his financial support. I needed his support 
within the store helping to run the place. And it, of course, I didn't. Uh, but I was 21, and, and I was able to do it uh, on my own. And I did it fairly successfully, I think, for, <laughs> for 13 years. Um, and the same thing, you know, he called me, and I want to say it was September or October, and we opened in December, three or four months, with salon supplies and interiors. I was looking around for a business to buy, kept looking, looking, looking. I could still remember it on the 30th of December of 2005. I found this place, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and I was excited about it. And my friend Alex and I had gone down the shore to Atlantic City for, I guess, I guess just an afternoon. Maybe we had lunch or dinner and, and gambled. And, and when I came back, I had some information. I had inquired about it before that. And so I had the information at that point. Because when you're, when you're looking for a business, there, it's very vague. It doesn't tell you exactly where it is or exactly what the name of it is. You have to go to the broker and say, hey, I'm interested. And so that's when I found out about that. And again, December 30th, 2005. And we bought the place uh, and took over. We, the agreement of sale was signed on the uh, Martin Luther King Day of January. I want to say it was January 17th, 2006. And we took the business on the 6th of February, 2006. So what is that? Not even two months. Again, we didn't have to go for financing, so that made it easy. But within a couple of months, we were in business. And with this, it's not like that. So I'm interested in it because I do like the potential. But another thing was brought up when we were uh, talking on our meeting last night for the blind merchants. Uh, one of the guys, Ron, was asked if he's going to the national convention, the NFB national convention in New Orleans which I'm on the fence about because of surgery coming up, both for me and for Ziggy. Uh, they both have to do with balls. Mine is an eyeball. You can figure out what, <laughs> what his is. And I've got a story about him in a minute. So he said, you know, it's July 4th. It's probably the busiest week of the year for me because everybody's traveling and everybody's going in and buying stuff from his vending machines, sodas, chips, whatever. And so who's going to fill them while he's away? He's got two employees, him and his wife. So that, that really made me think uh, when he said that. Again, I'd like to do something uh, along with digital graphics, uh, which really isn't too much, but it's, you know, something. And Liz, of course, when she ends her run at Walden at the end of the school year, uh, will need to find some sort of work. So I just like the idea of it because, again, very low entry point as far as financials go to get involved with the vending operation. Uh, and maybe I could find a, find a distributor that has one of those smoking monkeys, if, you're, <laughs> if you remember those. When I was a kid, we used to go and... Every time we stopped at a place, I always wanted to get the smoking monkey. I don't know why. I don't know how I don't even smoke. Between my mom and the smoking monkey, I don't know how I don't smoke now. I mean, I hated it when my mom did, so that's probably why. So, you know, this leadership thing was a great way to get together with 
these other blind folks. And again, not everybody is from a business mind. Some people were there from their different chapters and have other ideas and are school teachers or um, social workers or whatever. And uh, it, it was just great to get together with everyone. And I learned so much and got so, I don't want to say inspired because I think that's overused. Energized is the right word. I got energized from what we did and getting together with everyone and, and talking face-to-face with people. So that part was just outstanding. And on Sunday, we had some time. And I, it's kind of funny. I kind of procrastinated getting my ticket to travel. The hotel was taken care of uh, by the state. The reservations were done by the state affiliate. The NFBFPA is that affiliate, <laughs> in case you were wondering. So by the time I thought about getting the ticket, the 9.30 bus to Harrisburg was sold out. And it turns out I probably was okay by not getting on that. I ended up coming home. There was a group of seven of us. It was myself and Stacy Leap, who has been on this show, and her daughter, who Alana, who is five years old. And then there was another Keystone Chapter member named... Uh, Esther Gilliard and her 13-year-old daughter and her mom, as well as Trina Towns, who is from Greater Philly. So the seven of us were traveling together. So it kind of made it nice. And we also didn't have to rush. We were able to check out of the hotel at 11. We kind of hung out in the lobby for a while. Esther and the kids uh, went for a walk. There was a trail at the hotel, and the hotel was very nice. Wyndham Gardens State College, I think, is the title. Not 100% sure, um, but it's a Wyndham property, um, and it's actually not in State College. It's, you know, maybe 10 minutes away. So they did that, and we then got to the bus, and we got there a little early, so just in case there were any issues. But going, taking the Uber, Stacy ordered an Uber, and Esther ordered an Uber. Well, when Stacy's got there, said it could hold up to three. When she and her daughter and Trina started to get in, the person hadn't cleaned out the back of their car. And I think it was an SUV. Hadn't So all the luggage wouldn't fit. So she couldn't take three people. So the car starts to pull away as Esther's car pulled up. And I was about to order another Uber for myself, figuring, okay, the three of them are going to go in the one car, the three... Um, in Esther's party, you're going to go in that car, and then that would leave me, and I'll just, you know, no big. It's it was okay. We we were getting reimbursed for our transportation, so um, again, rather save the money because <laughs> the more you spend, the more you got to raise down the line, and it's a lot easier saving at the beginning. So as I started to get it, it was, guy pulls in. His name was Bill. Guy pulls in, and it's some sort of SUV, and I think Esther asked, you know, we have four people. Can you take all of us? Oh yeah. This is also an Uber X. I, I mark it down as, uh, I'm sorry, XL. I mark it as Uber X because it, it doesn't matter one way or the other. I know there's not a lot of folks around, so I don't want to miss out on a ride by having it as an XL and be more expensive and then not get that, not get that call. So I was able to fit in and I started to get in. Then I hear Stacy calling me 
from the curb. And I said, what, what's going on? Why, why weren't you in that car? And she tells me everything that she couldn't fit. And we ask Bill, hey, can, can she fit in? And fortunately, one of the people in Esther's group, like I said, is a 13-year-old uh, kid. And there's a third row of seats in the back, which she was e- easily able to climb back there and sit in. So Stacy was able to fit, and we, we all fit, no biggie. And away we went to the, to the bus. Now, earlier in the day on um, Sunday, it was raining, and I didn't think there was a way to go inside of where the bus was in State College, but there is. It turns out there is a little little area you can wait, even smaller than the one in Harrisburg. But there's vending machines and things like that, and bathrooms if you need them. So we got there, and again, it was nice to hang out with these folks. Stacy, I talk to fairly regularly because she's first vice president of the Keystone chapter, but Esther, I don't. I see her at meetings. I see her at these other events like... Sorry about that. Like uh, the convention or this leadership seminar. And so it's nice to get to to hang out with them. And Trina, of course, because she's in a different chapter, I don't really talk to her often at all. So it was nice to hang out with them and spend the day with them traveling. It was also nice to help um, guide when I needed to through the, the different stations. Um, <laughs> so we get to... Harrisburg, get off the bus. We go inside once everybody gets their luggage. And in Harrisburg, the bus station is on one level. You have to go up a level to get to the train station. We took the same elevator that we took the day before. Now, the first group got in there, and I don't remember who was in that group. They were having trouble. It wasn't moving. The door would close, and they would just sit there. So one person got off, and then it went up. So we get on, and there's only four of us, one in each corner, and it was, um, I want to say it was Esther and her mom and daughter, and we're not moving. And it said something like, the the note on the um, elevator said something like TX or TF, So we didn't know if it was too full. So I said, all right, you know, hit the button to open the door and I'll get out and I'll walk up the stairs. The door wouldn't open. And we sat there and it wasn't a long time, five, 10 minutes. And, and I started thinking of, you know, I'm kind of laughing and I I don't know how antsy the girls were. um, But I know it was a little unsettling. For some reason, I wasn't too worried. And again, I, maybe because we're on the ground floor, I didn't think we were going to plummet to our deaths. thought we might be stuck on there and maybe miss the train, which would have sucked. So we called, you know, with the phone that's in there. <clears throat> and they told us to do something, to hold one of the buttons in for a, an extended period. And that got it to work. And then we moved and we got upstairs. And, and the others were waiting for us. And they're like, what happened? <laughs> So, uh, so that was, that, that happened. <laughs> and again, we don't know where we're going once we're in the, in the station. I mean, we know where we're going, but we don't know if there's somebody there that's going to help us get to the elevator to go down. And, you know, we don't know what platform to be at. So we go to the ticket booth and as we're going to the booth, one of the red caps comes over and and helps us out, and seats us in a spot, and there we waited, and some folks ate, and some folks went to the bathroom, 
uh, not in that spot, in the bathroom. And I was one of those folks. Uh, and we had, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes to, to wait. Then we got on the train and, and we were good to go. So the one thing that I'm leaving out that I'm going to get to now is the main reason for the clickbaity title. And that clickbaity title was said by the Uber driver on my way to the train in Philadelphia on Friday morning. When you're blind, you can't do anything, he told me. And he then proceeded to tell me what was the story was. He had cataracts, and they got progressively worse, and so he couldn't do his job, and he worked for the Postal Service. Couldn't do his job, and he couldn't do anything. He said he couldn't drive, he couldn't see, and it made me a little... <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it made me a little nervous, and maybe this is why I didn't get into him, into it as much with him. He was talking about not being able to see, and I'm thinking, you know, how good was that surgery? And again, cataracts, it does clear up a lot when you have, when you have them removed. I, I've had that surgery. I mean, I'm not, not a novice to that one. I've had that once. Two trabeculectomies, a bunch of other glaucoma surgeries, a re- detached retina surgery, and so far, one cornea transplant with the other one scheduled. Same eye, though. So he's telling me about that, and he says it again. And we're on I-95, and my window's open and his window's open, so it's kind of hard to hear. So I don't really want to get into it with him, but I basically say to him, I said, you know, I'm blind and I'm going to State College, Pennsylvania. His takeaway was, hey, I grew up in Johnstown. And, you know, there's not really much out there and blah, 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 blah. And I said, yeah, but I'm going and a whole bunch of other blind people are going. And he said something which I couldn't quite hear. And I just kept thinking about that the whole weekend because the next day, one of the things that we did during the leadership seminar was listen to a speech by a guy named Kenneth Jernigan. He was president of the NFB for a while. And he was a very smart guy. And this speech kind of talked about blindness being a dying in some people's eyes. Meaning, you know, when you go blind, you can't do anything. You're dead. Or you may as well be. And of course, us blind folk have (laughs) different opinion because you're not. And um, are there different things that you have to do to get through your day? Sure. As I was told, as I was told on Saturday, they're not substitute ways of doing things. They're alternative ways or different ways. Substitute, of course, connotates a, it's inferior. And of course, blind people are inferior, just like a 50-year-old being inferior to a 20-year-old. When you're 20, you got plenty of strength and you can really move and whatnot. When you're 50, not as much. But when you're 20, you don't have that wisdom and that experience that that 50-year-old has. And that's basically the gist of Jernigan's speech that we had to go over, and and at least my takeaway. Uh, Because I know I could do a lot more when I was 20 than I could now. I had a lot more hair when I was 20. And, um, you know, it was different. 
was better in some ways, not as good in, the, in others. Uh, it was also funny because the speech was from the mid-60s. So the things that he said, he called black people Negroes. Um, he was talking about Jews. It was kind of funny. I just, I just found, that, I found that a little funny. So I thought it was funny that this Uber driver, Curtis, who drives a gold Cherokee, I couldn't tell you what the license plate is because, of course, I can't see the license plate, so how am I going to look for it? I know they give it to you when, the, when you first order it. But Curtis is wrong. When you are blind, you still can do stuff. I mean, I'm doing this, and you're listening. So it's always a battle for folks who are blind and visually impaired to not be underestimated. And it's frustrating to most of us that we are. So when he said that and I told him that, hey, there's a whole bunch of blind folks who are going to state college and we're all traveling on our own. I mean, it was only me in the car besides him. And I also found it funny that when we got to 30th Street Station, I wasn't quite sure. I think we pulled up in the front, so the front part that faces the Schuylkill River. And if you're not from the Philadelphia area, Schuylkill is spelled really funny, and it's, you know, it's just weird. Uh, So I asked him as I was opening the door, I said, now, do I just walk straight across and I'll go into the doors? And he said, yeah, just walk straight out the door, straight, you'll go into the doors of of the train station. Well, Curtis left out a few things. He left out the fact that I had to cross over another driveway area where the um, CCT and taxis pull up. And more importantly, because I was able to find that driveway with my cane, more importantly, he left out the fact that once I get over that other driveway, there were barriers, ropes, you know, like a chain rope, not not a chain, a... um, you know, basically crowd control, like when you go to Disney World or you get in any kind of queue anywhere, um, a barrier to stop you from going one way over another way, um, almost like a piece of tape or like a tape measure uh, from one post to another. And so I couldn't find where the opening was to go through. And finally I found it and someone helped me, uh, you know, guided me through And once I was in the building, I was fine. And again, my vision has been so poor and the glare was horrible that day. So I I couldn't even see the door. My cane started to touch it and then it opened. They opened automatically. Once I was inside, I was a a little bit better. And then once I got inside, I went to the desk to ask where I go to to catch the train to Harrisburg and, and so forth. But I just kept thinking about that all weekend. When you're blind, you can't do anything. And uh, Curtis is wrong. And um, if I ever have him as a driver again, I will reiterate that. And again, I didn't get into it too much with him because it was loud and I was, I was missing some things that he said. And I, I know he said this because he said it multiple times. So I just thought it was, <laughs> it was a perfect thing for him to say to kick off this weekend that how we're trying to show that, hey, we're not you know, nothing. We can do things. We can be leaders. We can uh, be in business for ourselves. We can do all that. Now, I mentioned Ziggy earlier. 
and we were very curious to see how Ziggy would be. Liz sent me a couple of pictures while I was away, which I had to ask her what they were because <laughs> I guess she can't describe them in, uh, uh, when you're sending a text. And I said, what's going on in this one? And uh, he loves peanut butter. And uh, when we finish a jar of peanut butter, we let him lick the whole thing out. And he will jam his face in there so he can get the bottom <laughs> of the peanut butter jar. And Liz was showing me the jar was what she was showing me. And it was, you know, clean as could be. So when I got home, he got excited, as I knew he would. But he didn't get as excited as when Jane comes home. He goes nuts when Jane comes home. He probably goes not quite as nuts, but when Jacob comes home from work, he gets like that. And when Liz comes home from work, for that matter, he goes a little crazy. So it was around that level, maybe a little bit more than that, but certainly, again, not as much as when Jane comes home. So I, I thought, okay, I could tell he missed me, and then he was sitting right next to me. And when he wants to sit next to you, at least for me, he will practically sit on top of you. And I knew that he was happy that I was home. I knew by that he was happy that I was home. But the next day or two, I don't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday, he was trying to get something under the couch. And it made me nervous at first because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if it's a what if it's a mouse or something he's going for? I mean, he's trying to paw and get his face under the couch and I'm thinking he's going to get stuck or hurt himself. So I went over and I lifted up the, I guess the, the skirt of the couch. And I of course couldn't see anything. So I took a couple of pictures. Well, I took one picture and then I tried to take another one, but Ziggy ran around from the one end of the couch that he was at and tried to get in front of me in the middle of the couch. And so when I took the picture, it, it basically got his uh, left shoulder and part of his face and some parts under the couch. But the one, the first one I took was good enough. And I sent it to Jane. I said, do you see something under here that he might want? And she's like, yeah, his ball is under there. We have this ball. It's like a tennis ball with a squeaker in it, but it's the size of a softball. And I, sorry, I keep doing that, hitting the desk. I love to play with it as well, and I hadn't seen it since I had been back, so I guess maybe it was Monday. And I'm like, how am I going to get it out? Because A, I don't see it, and B, I don't know where exactly it is. I know it's under there somewhere. So I go and I grab my cane, my white cane. Well, Ziggy freaked out when I did that. He thought I was leaving again. So I said, hang on, buddy, I'm going to just get your ball out. And so I work it, and I finally feel the ball, and I get the ball to come out. He doesn't even care anymore. As I take the cane from under the couch, he's trying to grab my arm and he's trying to grab the cane and my arm at the same time in my hand. And at that point, I knew how much he missed me because he didn't want me to leave again. And I said, don't worry, I'm not leaving again until Saturday. And uh, we have a Keystone chapter meeting on Saturday at the Penn Museum. And even when I said that, the next day, when he thought I was going somewhere because... I don't remember. I think I was putting on a hoodie or something. I said, listen, I'm not going anywhere until Saturday. And again, he kind of got excited and thought I was leaving. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, one last thing that I found hysterical. I'm on the train and I had been texting with Lisa, who was on that earlier train that I wanted to be on. And as it turns out, their bus was late because they were waiting for two people to show up that didn't show. And by that waiting, they didn't get there in time to get the, their train that they were supposed to be on, which was, I think, 11 or 11.30. 11 
They couldn't get on the one o'clock train from Harrisburg to Philadelphia because it was sold out. So they ended up on a two o'clock train and she didn't know why. And I found out when we got on our train, once we got to Harrisburg, we were told not to put any of our stuff on a seat because the train was completely booked. And of course, for a second, I was wondering why would this train be completely booked on a Sunday afternoon at five o'clock? And it turns out there was some sort of derailment either that morning or the day before that forced folks to get bussed. And it was someplace above Washington, but before Philadelphia. And a lot of people got on, I guess they were bussed to Lancaster, which this train stopped, or Parksburg, or Downingtown. And when we got to Downingtown, I'm like, oh, I think that's the station that Shannon gets on. Shannon is Jane's roommate. I said, it'd be funny if she were on this train. I didn't think too much about it. And Jane and I were texting back and forth. And at some point, she said, I wonder what time Shannon is doing. I think she's doing it at 8.30. And I said, 8.30, that's this train. The train went from Harrisburg to New York. And I said, Jane, that's the train I'm on. It's probably the one she's on. Oh, no, she was in Exton. I said, we just left Exton. (laughs) So it turns out Shannon was on that train. We were in different cars, though. Uh, At least she didn't see me, and I, of course, didn't see her. Um, But I thought that was funny and uh, how weird and uh, just pretty cool, I thought. So that is what I have for you this week. And again, blind people can do things. (laughs) So if you've got questions or comments, please reach out. 646-926-6350. Uh, I still am going back and forth with Zoom for the sound quality. Hopefully it's not too bad today. And I have submitted one thing to them, and I'm hoping they can say, oh, just do this, and it'll be fine. I I don't think it's going to be that easy, though. So again, 646-926-6350. If you've got any questions, comments, show ideas, please give that number a call. You have three minutes. Leave your name in town. So I know who you are, and uh, if it's something other than maybe, a, hey, put this person on your podcast type of thing, I will most likely use the clip in an upcoming episode. You can also reach out via email, I can't see you podcast at gmail.com, I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I'd really appreciate it if you rated, reviewed, told your friends about the show, and you can get all the show notes at com slash 170. I can't see you. Sounds like a whole sentence. It's only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U.com slash 170. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really do appreciate it. I hope you're well. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.